Welcome to the Beers and Bible Podcast, a podcast that explores God's Word while enjoying the fruits of God's creation. You can find us on Instagram at Beers and Bible underscore, on Facebook by searching Beers and Bible Podcast, and on Twitter at Beers and Bible P1. You can also email us at Beers and Bible Podcast at gmail.com. If you enjoy what you hear on Beers and Bible, please consider leaving a five-star rating and a review on your podcast platform to help us promote this podcast. Billy Currington summed it up well when he said, God is great, beer is good, and people are crazy. So let us join our hosts, Michael and Anthony, for this week's discussion. Welcome to episode number 83 of the Beers and Bible podcast. I am Anthony. And I am Michael. And we are happy to have another week to talk about the Bible, drink a little bit of beer, have some discussion times, relax. It's going to be fun. It is. It's going to be a a blast. A hoot and a half, as they say. (laughs) I have never heard that. Wow. Who says that? (laughs) They do. I don't know where you've been. (laughs) Who... You know, I've always heard this like they say that, and they I've never met they before. They are interesting. They are interesting. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. Anthony. Michael what? has met they. I have met they. <laughs> Anthony, what's going on with you? How's your week going? Man, it's been a good week. It's been a long week, and uh, I'm ready for Friday. Um, you know, we record on Thursday nights, and so I'm ready for Friday, but, uh, but it's been a good week. It's been a productive week. Uh we're, we're, this will come out like the end of June, but this week was actually Memorial Day, so it's only a four-day work week, which mm-hmm. means you you uh, have to cram five days of work into four days, so that's why it's kind of been busy. Yeah. But other than that, man, we're just relaxing and, and having a good time. How about you guys? Yeah, same thing, man. We're your, uh, like you said, it was Memorial Day last weekend, so we're uh, this week at work has been kind of – it's been weird. Our, our business typically on holiday weeks is a little slower. Mm-hmm. Um business wise and um you know there's just some oddball things that we're taking care of at work and then home life is good and we're uh my wife has a a training for work this weekend that she's doing from home so we have to navigate around that pretty much all weekend Um, with a three-year-old with a three-year-old that's a lot of fun fun. (laughs) yeah so um she's uh yeah she'll she did it some today she's got a pretty much full day tomorrow and then a half day on Saturday. So me nice. and little me and little man are going to go get out of the house Saturday morning and go do something. So um but that's uh that's what we've got going on. We're Sounds uh, like a good time. We're staying busy and trying to enjoy life as it comes. That's right. Well, tonight is is a little bit of a special episode for Michael and I. Um this is so when this releases, it will be the day before uh, we started the podcast two years ago, so yes. our first podcast released on June 26th of 2019, mm-hmm. uh, and hopefully this comes out on June 25th, 2021, <laughs> if, if our I, calculations if are If we've correct. looked at the calendar right, that's when this is releasing, <laughs> so if we have to go back and like adjust that, we can, So, uh, but it's been an exciting time um, the last, I guess, 15 or so weeks since we've released or kind of revealed who we are have been... Um, it's been very freeing for me. I don't know about Anthony, mm-hmm. but it's been very freeing to kind of openly talk about and um, discuss things, uh, yeah. have those conversations that we've had. And we, we, I'm very encouraged. I actually spoke with somebody today. Anthony, I didn't tell you about this. I, I ran into somebody coming out of the gym as I was going in, 
And he says, dude, he said, dude, I listen to your podcast every Friday before I do my quiet time. (laughs) And so I was like, dude, that's amazing. That's awesome. So, um, benefits of releasing it early in the morning. Yeah. So it's, it's just, it's just been very good. And we're very encouraged by all the positive feedback and we've got some very exciting things coming up in the next few weeks. Um, we're not sure of timing of everything, so this might be uh, – well, duh, that was an exciting thing once it comes out kind of thing. So, um, But we've got some cool things coming, and we can't wait for you guys to see it. So, um, But tonight, to commemorate the two-year anniversary of the Beers and Bible podcast, Anthony and I have the same beer again. Yes, we do. Um, we, that, we had the same beer a few weeks ago, and then um, going back, it had been several weeks since we had the same beer. Um, Mm -hmm. So, Anthony, what are we drinking tonight? Tonight, we are drinking the George Peach from the UFO Brewery. Now, this is our second UFO uh, brew that we had. The first one was the UFO White. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was, uh, if I remember right, it was kind of like a blue moon. Um, And and so, you're not too crazy on the blue moons, and so I think you only gave it three Luthers, and I gave it three and a half. Let let me be clear. I was not super crazy about the blue moon-esque stuff then. I'm slightly more accepting of them. I guess that's okay. the word. I, I, I've again, as we've gone through this, the repertoire of what we like and in the things that we like and the things that we don't like is getting more refined. But I also feel like our my tastes are adjusting. If mm-hmm. that makes sense. So what Michael's saying is we're both becoming beer snobs. I'm not a beer <laughs> snob yet, but I will say this. I went to a um, soccer match at uh, Mercedes-Benz Stadium last weekend. Yeah. And had they have a, um, a Five Stripes IPA. I don't know who makes it, but that IPA was dang near the best IPA I've ever had. Man, Five Stripes. I may have to see if I can find one. Yeah, I don't know. It was, a, uh, it was on tap, um, and it was delicious. Um, let me see who makes it. Here, Wicked Weed Brewing. Wicked, okay. Um, and it was uh, phenomenal. I don't know if you can get it anywhere but Mercedes-Benz. I've heard of Wicked Weed Brewing before. Oh, maybe you can get it there. I don't know. That's not for that's not for now. What is for yeah. now is cracking open this UFO Georgia peach. Um, so it's a hazy wheat beer, ABV of 5.1%. Um, it was a limited... Limited release in 2018. Okay. Um, only for Georgia. They only released it in Georgia in 2018. Um, and then they uh, extended the release um, the following season, and the following summer. And it's available pretty much anywhere UFO is available. So, um, yeah. And, and I had the, I saw it and I remembered the UFO. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, I love peaches. And I don't, I think this might be our first peach beer that we've done i don't recall doing a peach beer so i think you're right podcast Mm -hmm. so well no last week sorry you did james in the above average peaches you're right i did (laughs) wow that's how that's how great it was i totally forgot about it so that's how good our memory is yeah so um yeah so it's uh the can is kind of cool it's just pink with a with a peach tree on it uh hazy wheat beer with fresh peach flavor so um says on a hot summer day this is the, this is what you want, and I love hot summer day beers. So, well, let's get to let's get to drinking let's, then. I've got let's two, crack them I've open. got two up here, so let's uh, 
Let's see how good these things are. You know how I roll. I do. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't have three, actually. So let's let's get to going. Three. All right. Two. Three, two, one. Crack. Ooh, that smell is good. That smells like a peach, dude. The color of this thing is super clear. This is, I'm I'm betting this is going to be a really light beer. Oh my oh, gosh, geez. dude! Smell the can after you poured it out. It smells like a peach it's ring. <laughs> you know those peach ring, dude? Those are one candies? of my favorite candies. So um, I'm not a huge fan of those, but I love peaches. I think peaches are. I do too. I would say peaches are probably a top three fruit. So, it, I have uh, I have two favorite desserts in the world. Um, peach cobbler. The, fir the first one is banana pudding. Oh, okay. The second one is peach cobbler. Okay, yes. So a good peach cobbler with some vanilla ice cream. Oh my gosh! My wife made one a couple of like a week ago, and mm, I love her. I mean, we're married, so I love her anyway. I would but. hope you love her. <laughs> We'll talk about that next week with First uh, Peter chapter three, but that's right. Husbands and wives are coming up next week for the record. Dude, does yours have like a weird like suspension thing? Look, can you see mine? I don't know. I can't. Oh, I can't see mine. Can you see mine right there? How it's kind of like clear in the bottom, but hazy in the middle, and then yeah. foamy at the top. That is bizarre, dude. It is. But well, I'm I'm excited because it smells good. So let's get to drinking. Turn them up. Hang on a second. The look on your face tells me everything I need to know. <laughs> I, I think we might know where this one's coming in for me. Um, I'll go first. This is a five Luther beer for me. Okay. This is, this is, um, maybe it's because I like peaches, but to me, like the peach flavor is perfect in this beer. Yeah. It's, it is just, it's got, like, it almost tastes like a peach-flavored Blue Moon, which, I mean, hey, Blue Moon, maybe you should make a peach-flavored beer. Um, but it's not. It's lighter than Blue Moon. It's got better texture than Blue Moon. Um, this is just a, this is, because uh, I think Blue Moon is a wheat beer, isn't it? I'm they pretty are. sure it is. Yep. Um, so, I, I, like, when I saw Hazy Wheat Beer, I, I was thinking Blue Moon in the back of my mind, but... This one to me is just like this 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 really is a a fantastic beer. The flavor is just right, the texture is just right. Um the everything about this thing just screams they they brewed it right. So uh five Luthers from Anthony because uh yeah, great job, UFO. It's it, everything is right about this one. Where where are you are you uh are you in the five Luther camp or are you uh are, are you wrong? I'm so, <laughs> so, so here's the thing. I am admittedly not a huge fan of wheats or Blue Moon-esque kind of things. Um, yep. Like I said a minute ago, they're coming around on me a little bit. This is all day five Luthers. <laughs> um, it is, the peach flavor is perfect. Like Anthony said, it's so smooth. It's very light. I could probably drink all of these right now. 
Dude, all, could, si- all six of these could go down right now. <laughs> I'm not because I have the fruit of the spirit self control. That's um, right. But we are not drunkenness. <laughs> but listen, it, the the flavor is perfect. the The texture is almost like a like a peach skin, almost like like that. You yep. get a little bit of that fuzzy, which is really weird. Mm-hmm. I think it's the carbonation. But dude, it is it is everything <laughs> complement like the flavor in that complements each other perfectly. Um, this is a very perfect summer beer. Perfect after oh, yeah. you've cut the grass beer, um, grilling, whatever. Um, I don't have to cut the grass tomorrow, but I might go cut the grass just so I can have one of these after. You know you could just walk around <laughs> in your yard for an hour without having just to push the mower. <laughs> Pretend to push the mower. <laughs> or I can just push the mower back and forth in the same spot for like 30 minutes and get hot and sweaty and then just go get a beer. <laughs> Does your, do your kids have like a toy push mower? Uh, no, we uh, threw it away a long time oh, ago. Oh, gotcha. Okay, well. That would be funny if you were out there no. pushing that. <laughs> Neighbors like, "What are you doing? I'm cutting the grass so I can drink beer. Leave me alone." <laughs> but hey, UFO beer. I was not a huge fan of the first one we had, and Anthony wasn't terribly. I mean, he wasn't high on that one either. No. This Georgia Peach is. Uh, this this is a uh, this, this is next level stuff right yeah, here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. Um, I uh, it's my first peach beer, and let me tell you something. UFO, you have set the you've set the standard for what I expect out of peach beers now. So they're gonna have everybody else. If I see a peach one, they're gonna have something to live up to because this thing is, it's just it's right. And and I think you said earlier like they brewed it in 2018 and released it just in Georgia, mm-hmm. and they've expanded. Usually when when beers are expanded, when they when they take them wider to wider audiences, you know or you kind of think they're gonna be good. Because it was a you know there was a lot of demand and so mm-hmm. I can definitely see why this one was expanded because man it is it is spot on and also you know I we said this in the in the other episode about UFO but UFO is is employee owned it's not yeah uh, it's not just a single owner everybody kind of has and maybe that's what makes the beer so good is everybody kind of has a stake in it. I don't know what makes this beer good but it is phenomenal. So yeah, it is UFO very well done. Uh, Double five Luthers from Anthony and I this week. Um, Worth every five, too. <laughs> yeah. It's the second time in four weeks we've given two fives, um, and we, we, which we have it's, not done a ton of. No. Looking that back hadn't through. happened in a while. So, <sighs> Kent Wanna Mango was the last double five. <clears throat> the last double five we each had, you mean? Cause we, yeah, we yeah. We each did a double five a couple weeks ago when we had a different beer. but That's true, yeah. Anyway, that is um I'm I'm actually pleasantly surprised when I when I got this, I was like I saw it in the store and Anthony had sent me a picture. I saw it in the store and I was like, "Eh, I don't know if I want that or not." Like like I look for something else to get and I was like, "You know what? Screw it. I'll just get this." <laughs> and I'm glad I did. I'm glad that uh doing the same beer was worth uh was worth doing this one, so. <laughs> Double nice. fives were. I'm very surprised and glad I have a second. Me too, which I'm already pretty much already on my second now. But I'm about to say I'm getting close to the bottom of my glass. So let's get into the <laughs> next segment before we get to before we well, crack open yeah. another beer. So so before we crack open a third for tonight, uh, we're going to get into the book of First Peter. We're going to round out chapter two. Um, we talked about a little bit about government last week. We're going to talk about some other. Uh, 
topics in culture, um, how Christians should behave in culture. And so we will be back after this break. I just cracked open my second beer. I don't know if you could tell. So um, tonight we're going to conclude our study in First uh, Peter chapter two, and we are going to be reading verses eighteen through twenty-five. Um, so a longer section, but um, dang it, I have a fan going, and my Bible keeps opening funny. Um, <laughs> but as anything, kind of, uh, I don't know. If, well, did you say that in segment or is that in between segments that it's going to Go a little faster. I said that in between segments. Okay, so so <laughs> the next few uh, the next few weeks are, are next few weeks we're going to get a little bit faster, um, doing some bigger chunks as we get into First um, Peter chapter three, and that kind of mm-hmm. starts this week with the end of chapter two. So if you have your Bibles, open to First Peter chapter two. We're going to read verses eighteen through twenty five. Tonight I'm reading from the Holman Christian Standard because that's what I have, and this is what. Peter says, Household slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the cruel. For it brings favor if, because of conscience toward God, someone endures grief from suffering unjustly. For for what credit is there if you endure when you sin and are beaten? But when you do good and suffer, if you endure brings favor with God. For you were called to this because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you should follow in his steps. He did not commit sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. When reviled, he did not revile in return. When suffering, he did not threaten, but committed himself to the one who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that having died to sins, we might live for righteousness. By his wounding, you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but you have now returned to the shepherd and guardian of your souls. That's encouraging. I think it should be encouraging for a lot of Christians. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's not encouraging words, but it, it should be. Yeah, because what Peter has developed across these these three chapters, and really what he develops across his whole book, is what um, what a lot of what I like to call it. Uh, I'm sure there's some theologians that call it this somewhere else. I haven't read them yet, but uh, it's called a theology of suffering. Yeah, you know, and, and I would put a theology of suffering up against a prosperity theology or something like you know something that says you should everything should should be great for you when you become a Christian and everything should go right because the majority of the New Testament, um, I, I, you know, if you've read the majority of the New Testament, nothing really goes right for the Christians. You right. know, whether they're Jewish Christians or Gentile Christians, 
they're they're in they're in pretty bad times. Yeah, well, you e- know, I mean, even look back at the Old Testament. Things didn't go right for a lot of the characters <laughs> of the Old Testament. So much yeah, so, so mean, much so much so that God was like, "You know what? I'm peacing out for four. Like I'm not talking to y'all for 400 <laughs> years. He didn't peace out entirely, but he went silent for 400 years. So, but then yep. you get to, but then you, you're right. You get to the New Testament and pretty much all I don't know, maybe all of the main characters of the Old Testament die a martyr's death. Does anyone die of just natural causes or old age in the old in the New Testament? There, I mean, a few of the prophets um, do, and and I mean, there there are. There are a few that do in the New Testament, and in, in the Old Testament. Yeah, and I asked in the New Testament. Oh, in the New Testament, no, no. Most people, I mean, the twelve disciples definitely didn't didn't get uh, nice, wonderful burials. Um, die as old men, you know. I think the argument maybe could be made for John, but you know, you have to consider John was also exiled on Patmos for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, then he had the Revelation. Yeah, um, and he wrote the Book of Revelation, not Revelations. It was a revelation. Yeah. Um, sorry, I have to clarify that. It's like people saying Walmart's drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, that was that was a tangent that is not related to what we're talking about tonight. <laughs> no, but I, but if you look at the New Testament, no one really has this prosperity experience. No one. Well, no one really gets rich off the gospel. No, and and you know, I, I always like to say. Your your theology is based on on your main character. You know, I'm gonna say it that way. Your main character. Well, if the if the main character of the gospel is Jesus, you're not making a real strong case for prosperity. <laughs> I'm just gonna throw that out there. <laughs> I mean, here's a guy who had every right to come to Earth and say, "This is all mine, and I'm in charge." And he said, "You know what? I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to." hang out with the lowest of the low and show yeah. them love and show them that there is a way and that they're they are worthy and that there is value in for everybody yes. and the people who are so high and pompous they're the ones that really have it backwards yeah so yeah the people who you think have it together don't and the people who you don't do yeah you know which really, I mean, that ties into what we're talking about tonight. Mm-hmm. And and what Peter is saying here is you're going to be suffering, and so you have to learn how to suffer in Christ. Mm-hmm. You have to learn, you, you know, how you're suffering kind of through Christ, okay? And so he he starts this off, and he's talking really, he, yours, yours said, uh, your, mine says servants. What does yours say, the start of verse 18? Household slaves. Household slaves. Okay. So we have to, we have to, as Americans, again, we have to change the way that we read Scripture because we read Scripture with a Western mindset, and Scripture was not written with a Western mindset. What? I know, it's, it's ludicrous. It's crazy. Um, but... My my copy of scripture says servants, um, servants be subject to your masters with all respect. Mm-hmm. And so we ha- to from the outset we're talking about servants. Now we are not talking about servants like we think as Americans think of servants. We think of slaves, right? You know, this is not the type of American slavery, American chattel slavery that that was that we're familiar with. Now American chattel slavery is terrible, but in this context. 
what Peter is talking about is a household servant. Think of think of like a nanny or or somebody who is 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 more it's more like an employee than it yeah. is a servant, you know? Yeah. It's a yeah. person who agrees to do a job. Yeah, I, I did some research on the on the New Testament slavery. Um and we 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 think of slavery, we think of servants and like you said, immediately we think American slavery and what that means. And mm-hmm. that's not at all what Peter's talking about here. Um, there were pretty much three groups of people that were considered slaves or were would be labeled as slaves. Mm-hmm. There were those who had been captured in war. Mm-hmm. There were those who had been born into slavery. The, mm-hmm. So like the children of slaves. And then there are people, and this, I think this is the one you were just touching on, the people who sold themselves into slavery, yeah, bond servants for a period of time. Then it wasn't a like it wasn't a lifetime commitment thing. No, and so we, I think, I think we do a disservice to uh, scripture by not doing a deep dive into what a term meant in that time. Yeah, like like especially in our minds, we get caught up in <clears throat> well, slavery obviously means this. Yeah, when it doesn't, and I know like that's a very that's a that could be a potentially slippery slope when we talk about wine, <laughs> the, the <laughs> definition of wine. Um, so I, I like, and, and I don't know really how to how to compare the two. I don't know if there's, but I think of slavery as an idea. I think of slavery, like New Testament slavery versus American slavery as ideas. Yeah. I don't. I don't like. A, a thing you can well, touch its meaning is not going to change that's right yeah and and in the in the first century slavery was not necessarily a like a bad thing it wasn't a shameful thing like we think right. of slavery now as a shameful thing because because america ruined slavery you know i, I mean for for all intents and purposes we took slavery to the nth degree and turned it into something that was terrible Right. Um, you know, but but slavery in the concept that it was used in the first century was not about, you know, complete and total domination over a person, even though there is that aspect of it. And and you know, you can you can look at the first century household things where, you know, if you owned somebody, I mean you they were they were your property and yeah. you owned them and so you had total dominance over that person. But it wasn't. It was more of a, um, a, more like an employment. You know, your boss has total dominance over you while you're at work. You know, he can mm-hmm. tell you what to do. He can tell you to go home. He can. He can ask. I mean, he can ask you to come into work. And it's, it's not an a, an exact parallel, but you know, in that day, they could tell you to get up and go to work. They could tell you to you know go home or or go back well, to your I quarters mean, or whatever. I mean, if you think about it, like if you work an hourly job and your boss says, "Come in," or you don't get paid. Yeah, like like that's a that's a very close parallel. I'm not sure if it's an exact parallel. Yeah. Um, but but you're right. I mean, employers have bosses have control over their employees. Yes. While their employees are on the clock, at least yeah. they should if they're good bosses. Yeah, <laughs> they should. And and that's not that's not a a slight toward bosses. It's not anything like that because that's just that's the system that we work in that's you know there there's to accomplish things you have to have chiefs and you have to have indians um and and so that's just that's just kind of the way the world is made 
Yeah. And, uh, that's and the it, system by which it runs. And have we, as we've talked about, respect your authority. Yes. Regardless of how they treat you, regardless of how they, you know, if they treat you well or if they treat you poorly, they're they're still in a position of authority over you. So that's right. And I think and that's exactly the point yep, Peter gets mm-hmm, to. Yep. <laughs> and that's what Peter's saying here. If if a if a master treats you well or if a master treats you cruelly, you are to submit yourself to your masters. Yeah. And and this is done for the purpose of glorifying God. This is, you know, we're we're doing this God is pleased when we do this. And so there's a quote by a guy named named Wayne Grudem. Um, it says, God is pleased when his people trust him in the midst of unjust suffering, imitating the example of Christ. And in, if there was ever a person who was unjustly treated, it would be Christ. But, you know, it there, there's a parallel and there's also a like a, a line to be drawn here. You know, I'm not saying that, that we should roll over and just let everyone treat us unjustly. I'm, I'm, I'm not making that argument here, but... In certain situations, getting treated unfairly does not necessarily mean you have to rise up and yell and scream and and riot, you know, and do all that kind of stuff. There's a right way and a wrong way to respond. Yeah. And so, you know, if your if your boss treats you unfairly, then you go and you respectfully say to that boss, "Hey, uh, I, you know, I enjoy my work. I enjoy what I do here." Um, but I really think in this area you have treated me unfairly. Can we do something to remedy that? Yeah. And and so being respectful and being submissive as an as an employer, as a servant, does not mean that you roll over and just take whatever your boss does to you. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, if he does treat you unfairly, that's terrible. And and you can you can say something respectfully about that. Yeah. So is there a I guess the question I have is if your boss is is treating you unfairly is there a like way to gauge the magnitude of the unfairness to where like is it worth bringing up to your boss like if it's a, if it's a minor slight versus a major slight Well and, like, and like, here's like, what... how, like how do we as Christians justify that like let's say our boss is not a Christian Yeah and we're and we're trying to you know, we're we're trying to be a witness. We're trying to be more like Jesus, and we don't want to get walked over. And mm-hmm. and at and no point, don't hear me say like you should just let your boss walk over you. Like I I would never <laughs> encourage anyone to. Trust me, that's a terrible place to be in. Yes, it um, is. But if you know, if if it's a minor slight versus a major slight, you know, how do we as believers? justify bringing up some and not just and justify not bringing up others does that make sense it does and and it's i don't think there is a clear-cut answer to what you're asking okay but i think it's a i think it's a legitimate question and i think it's a case-by-case basis um okay the, yeah i think I, the, I think the the what should rule your response is am i being respectful and am i being some, am I am I doing what I'm supposed to do as mm-hmm. an employee, and am I being respectful in what I say to my boss? Okay, I you got know, you. so um, heh, something that um we're going through this like marriage 
uh, course thing at church right now, and they the thing uh, this is somewhat related. The uh, the thing that one of the things they said is like when you feel like you've been slighted by your spouse, point it out when you feel like it's necessary. Mm-hmm. And so like my whole thing is like I will know I will be I, I feel like the answer to the question is you will be able to know or you will know then and there if it's worth bringing up to your boss. Right. Like like you'll know like if it's a big enough deal. The same yeah. way I know if it's a big enough deal to bring up to my wife if she's frustrated right. me with X, Y, and Z. Exactly. And and I mean here's here's the thing. If if your boss is asking you to do something unethical, wrong, immoral, you know, pick your pick your thing, whatever it is, if your boss is asking you to do something that way that goes against what scripture teaches Christians to be, then uh, you know, Yes, that's something you should say, you should talk about. Mm-hmm. But if it's, you know, your boss asks you to stay 10 minutes late to get something done, and you're like, oh, I'm being treated so unfairly because my boss wants me to stay 10 minutes late. You know. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's not worth yeah. bringing up. I think, you know? I, think, I think as a believer, we need to look for opportunities to show, especially if we're working with unbelievers, Mm-hmm. We need to look for opportunities to show the love of Jesus to everyone we work with, um, and that might mean staying a few minutes later. That might mean doing the the task no one wants to do, or that might mean yeah, um, going above and beyond. You know, even your other coworkers. If, if you've mm-hmm. been asked to do something by your boss, there's a very specific reason for that. Yeah, and that's either, you know, your boss is entrusting you with that to do it to get it done, and I think really the majority of bosses would probably say that's why I'm asking so and so to do something is because yeah. I entrust them to do it. Now there are some bosses that would be like, no, I'm just screwing with them, but yeah. <laughs> but if that's the case, like you'll know the difference. Like if yeah. a boss is good versus a boss is bad, you as as an employee for that person will know the difference. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, really and truly a a lot of what Peter is writing and a lot of what Paul writes when he talks about husbands and wives and, and servants and and slaves. And, um, a lot of this was, was really a, a type of liberation because if you're doing something because you, you think you're being forced to by another person, Mm -hmm. then a master, you you tend to have this negative attitude towards what it is that you're doing. Oh yeah. But if you're doing something as unto the Lord, that changes your perspective about what it is, the task that it is that you're doing. Yeah. Whether your boss came at you unjustly, unfairly or not, you do that as unto the Lord and that that changes your perspective on what it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know, and and we've all met that person and and sometimes I just, you know, I want to slap that person because I'm like how in the world can you be so happy about doing this, you know, menial task? And they're like, man, you know, I'm doing, uh, it's, it's my joy to do this thing, you know, and they just have this kind of confidence and they have this kind of presence about them that just says, I'm just happy to be doing something, you know? Yeah. And, and I think that should be reflective of Christians. We should have that, that type of confidence and that type of joyous reflection that says, 
I'm happy to be doing something because I'm doing something for the Lord, whatever yeah. it is that you're doing. Yeah. You know, and and that's really what moves us into. So these first two verses, 18 and 19, kind of set up this, what's going to happen in the next uh, five or six verses. So verses 20 through 25 really explain what happened in verses 18 through 19. So Peter says, you should be respectful. You should honor your ser- uh, your masters. You should... Um, Let's see here. He says, uh, you should, even if you're being suffered, uh, going through suffering unjustly, you should still basically remain faithful. And then he starts verse 20. For what credit is it if you, uh, if when you sin, you get punished, but if you do good and get punished, that that's almost like that's even better because Peter, I mean, Peter's going to make that argument that people are going to see that and they're going to say, Hey man, that guy was really treated unfairly, yet he had joy. His response was always graciousness and gratitude. You know, he always did whatever it was that was assigned to him, and, and it wasn't really fair that they gave him that task to do or whatever it was to do. Mm-hmm. And and yet he still had joy. And then those employees go over and they say, man, what is it that makes you different? Why do you have so much joy when you're doing these things that are really not fair to be asked of you? You know, and and I think we talked about it uh, earlier in chapter two, where it says, you know, you do good to glorify God. Right. That's, you know, that's the purpose of doing good to give glory to God in heaven. And so, Peter here is building on that argument. And even though our natural response is to like, you know, puff up when somebody comes up, and when we think we're being treated unjustly, that's kind of our pride is our natural response. Yeah. Peter is encouraging us to respond differently. Yeah. And and if you go back to verse 18, he says, you know, our response should be mindful of God or or our response should reflect the faith uh that is the work of God in our lives. Mhm. You know, and and if we have that type of response and if we have that type of attitude towards what we do, then we're really diving into the way that Peter is saying that Christians should be acting right now and we're getting a different perspective on the world and the way that we should be viewing the world around us. Does that make sense? Yeah. So we're we're tie, we're we're tying all this together and this is this is our response. Our response is to be mindful of God and our response is to show the work of God through our faith, through through the faith in our lives that God has given us. And then ultimately that points us to the crucifixion. Yeah. And and if you when Michael read these last last verses I always I kind of put a note out in my Bible. I had written this a while back, but these last 3 or 4 verses really I mean if you read them they sound exactly like Isaiah 53. Mhm. You know, and yeah. and Well, I mean he's he's pulling some some bits from Isaiah 53 yeah. as he as he's going. Um and, and I mean, you're totally right. The the we should be like Jesus in our moments of suffering, mm-hmm. like Jesus was at the crucifixion, and that's right. very challenging for like Jesus was hanging on the cross, naked, and had been beaten, and was dying a, a death he did not deserve, and he was like, I mean, we we know we all know like. He was saying, "God, forgive them. They're not. They don't know what they're doing." Yeah. Um, he he had he had his mind was on his mother. He was he told John to take care of his mother. Yeah. Um, 
and, and I mean, it's just his. At no, at any point, he could have said, "You know what? That you know, this is done, and I'm in charge now." Like he could have said, "I throw the flesh away, and you know, here I am, the triumphant mm-hmm. ruler of Israel." Mm-hmm. But he didn't, and and he meekly and humbly took took a punishment we did not deserve and um he ultimately set the example that we should all be striving for yeah and and that is very difficult when we say like jesus is our example that means that we should be willing to follow him to that point yeah which which is very challenging Mm-hmm. And very, um, it's very gut checking, yeah. As a believer, to say, "Am I willing to follow Jesus to the point of death on a cross?" Yeah, because that's and, the and that, that's the level of obedience Jesus had. Jesus was obedient to the f- obedient to the Father to the point of death. Yeah, and you know, when when you when you think about Christ on the cross. It, it really does gut check you in a lot of ways because it puts our struggles and what we think are our problems and mm-hmm. our, you know, uh, the the social media tag, uh, hashtag first world problems. You know, I always think about that, you know, because people who live in, in superpowers, you know, the United States, Eastern, well, Western Europe, you know, people who live in, relative decency compared to the majority of the world. Um, you know, the things we take for granted, you know, inter- high-speed internet and power in our houses and indoor plumbing and I'm things like that. You know. Running water and air conditioning and light yeah. bulbs. Yeah, and and a vehicle with air conditioning, you know, that we can ride down the street in and, and things like that. You know, all of these things are are have have got led us to the point that we think we deserve these amenities that we deserve these luxuries in our life and until we get to the point where we realize we may have to give up a lot of the things that we think we deserve mm-hmm. uh, or that we think we're owed because of who we are and realize that we are nobody when it when it stands in the face of god you know you you can burn away every material thing that you have when it when it comes to standing before God and you're going to be left standing bare and all you're going to have is the way that you treated people the way that you acted in the world that was around you and and those are the things that are going to be judged uh and and that's where it becomes really really sobering for us mm-hmm. because we put so much uh, weight and so much glory, personal glory, in the things that we own, mm-hmm. in the cars that we drive, in the houses that we live in, in the neighborhoods yeah. of the houses that we live in. You know, we put so much weight into that kind of stuff that we'll be blown away with one breath of God. Yeah, and and then we'll be standing there bare. And when yeah. we're standing there bare, what will you have to show? Yeah, you know. Um, I can't. It, this is a little bit off topic, but but this came out this past week. Um, there's a guy who's worked for the Southern Baptist Convention, uh, 
Michael and I have been involved with, with churches in the Southern Baptist Convention for a while, and his name is Russell Moore. And I've always appreciated Russell Moore. I haven't always agreed with him, but I've always appreciated Russell Moore because he always stood on what he believed was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. And recently he has uh, he has resigned from the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, which is uh, kind of like the Washington, D.C. wing of the Southern Baptist Convention, to go work for a magazine, the magazine Christianity Today. And, and he, he wrote a letter to the trustees of the ERLC, and, and he, he really said some things that were very, very damning to the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, you know, I think at one point he said, you know, they wanted me to live in psychological terror. Um, but if, you, if you've ever watched Russell Moore... Uh, interact with people, and if you've watched Russell Moore in the public forum, he has always been one of the most gracious people that I think I've ever seen act in in the public sphere. Mm-hmm. And and I, I completely agree that there are people who wanted him to live in psychological terror because I've read Facebook posts from those people, and I've read articles on websites of those people calling him everything from a liberal to a Marxist to communist to um you know a homosexual even though he's married and has four boys had hadn't figured that one out yet <laughs> um, very happily married to his wife um and and yet he's he's remained consistent and and I'll never forget and I, I think this is this is kind of where I'm going with this is I remember there being there was a, a Southern Baptist convention they meet every year um, and this guy, I don't know who the guy is. That's how much I, I don't remember him or, or I didn't think, but I, I specifically remember him saying something and getting up and essentially challenging the salvation of Russell Moore in front of 10,000 Southern Baptist messengers. And I was like, I, I sat there and I was like, you have got to be kidding me. Mm-hmm. Like if, if I were Russell Moore, I would have looked at this guy because Russell Moore has a PhD he is very well read. He is very intelligent, and and I I mean he knows scripture. I would have just I would have leveled this guy. It's like challenging I, it Billy me. Graham at that point. Yeah, I mean I I think in my flesh I would have been like, who do you think you are, you tirade of cuss words? <laughs> like that would have been right. my response. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but but he just I watched his response as this guy and several other people just berated him for like 30 to 40 minutes and and his response was always just graciousness and kindness yeah. and and I just I could not get over it and I and I can't help but thinking that that is is a living modern example of what Peter is calling us to be because Russell Moore and his job as an entity head in the Southern Baptist Convention he was a servant to what the Southern Baptist messengers wanted him to be but even when they treated him unjustly and unfairly, he always responded with graciousness and kindness, and he mm-hmm. always tried to see the better in somebody else, regardless of if they agreed or not. Yeah, and I think that's the I think that is the part about dealing with uh, people who are challenging you or attacking you as believers is the is the most difficult part mm-hmm. is doing it graciously and yeah. peacefully and. <laughs> showing them still showing them love but still like because because we we live in a I like I love guys like Ben Shapiro and Steven Crowder and all those guys but they are very like um 
They'll cut you. They, they'll, I mean, they will, <laughs> like, they'll wreck your argument, and like, that's what they're hoping. Like, they're hoping they make you feel like an inch tall. Like that. Like, yeah. I feel like that's, and and nothing like that is their that's their game, and they're very good at it. Like, like mm-hmm. I've I've watched them time and time again do it. But but when somebody is attacking you for for what you're doing or what you believe, and, and your response, your like Russell Moore's response is immediately, I'm going to show you grace and mercy and love. Mm-hmm. And not cut you down because I still see you as valuable. Yeah. I still see you as a, a person made in the image of God that God sees worthy enough to send his son to die a death yeah. that he does not deserve on the cross for you. Exactly. Um, and, 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 you know, I think I think that's the difference between guys like Russell Moore and guys like, I mean, Ben Shapiro is Jewish, um, <laughs> so he doesn't have that um, worldview. Steven Crowder claims to be Christian, but like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. It, it's, it's, it's hard to say sometimes. So that's not for this podcast it to is, determine. It is not. No, that's for, that's between him and God. And I mean, who am I to say anything about how someone, you know, what they say versus what they actually believe. But, yeah. but you know, I think if you, if you truly love Jesus, that'll, that will be your go-to, and I think mm-hmm. the, I think that's very difficult in our church because of the world around us. I think, yeah. especially in the conservative world, we have those strong-voiced people who are very quick to point out the flaws in arguments mm-hmm. instead of saying, "Hey, I love you because Jesus loves you." I'm going to peacefully show you where you're wrong. Right. Yep. And and, and on the flip side. I think a part of a, a reason for that is because the argument from the other side is to just label you as bigoted or yeah. racist or, or homophobic or whatever. Yeah. And so that immediately puts our guard up. Yeah. And, and, you know, again, I'm not arguing for Christians just kind of rolling over and wallowing in self pity in any of these situations. Um, I think there is a graceful way to stand for truth. I think there is a graceful way to stand for what Scripture teaches uh, and not compromise and not um, back down. And that is going to necessarily be offensive. And and I think that the world has learned um, ways to trigger Christians, you know, call us things like bigots and, and, and we're violent. And, you know, they say... Now, you know, there there's there's people who are saying if you don't refer to somebody in their accepted in their I'm sorry, not their accepted, in their stated pronouns, you're doing violence to that person. And and do I think that's unfair? Absolutely, I think that's unfair. I no, I'm not doing violence to that person. I'm not touching them. Oh, are you doing psychological violence to them? What? <laughs> that that doesn't make any sense. That it's real easy to win sense. arguments when you redefine terms like that. Exactly, and and so when you're when you're constantly moving the goalposts, um, yeah, then 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 you're just understand, Christian. You're never going to win. So there's no reason to give in to that. There's no reason to respond to that type of nonsense. And so, as Christians, we just say, "Man, I love you. I respect you." This is what the Word of God teaches me to do. Yeah. This is what I have to stand firm in. Yeah. If you disagree, man, I will pray for you. I will continue to love you. If you need anything, you call me. But but we're gonna you know we're gonna go our separate ways. And and I think the 
there are there are more and more Christians who are learning how to do that, and that has made the because they're not getting the rise out of Christians, so they've had to resort to other things mm-hmm. to try to con because people are uh, you know eventually people will realize these Christians are not responding to this like we thought they would. They're not, right. you know, in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, the Christian response to everything was anger, you know, and and now we're kind of learning that, well, that didn't really do a whole lot of good. Right. Um, and so now uh, maybe we try something different. Yeah, it's almost like anger shouldn't have been the first response because it's not really the first response of Jesus except like a couple of times. Like, Except for when he dealt with religious people, and also anger is not a fruit of the spirit. Yeah. So. Did I say that out loud? I'm sorry. <laughs> anger is the unspoken fruit of the spirit, right? Yeah, sure it is. No. Sure it is. Okay. So, um, I think this quote from David Helm at the end of your notes here is um, maybe a perfect place to kind of land this plane. Yeah. Um, and David Helm um, said that, in other words. The true grace of God is revealed in the world when Christians who are treated unjustly nevertheless act honorably and good. Um, This is what the world needs to see from us. Our submission is not only within the will of God, it is a gracious thing in the sight of God. In submission, you gain God's smile. And, And I think, you know, there will be times when you as a believer are treated unjustly mm-hmm. by unbelievers and other believers alike. Anthony yeah. and I can both attest to believers treating treating us poorly. Yeah. Um, but but also there will be times when unbelievers treat you poorly too. Um, but I think if we go through life with the mindset that our joy is found in Jesus and Jesus alone, and not in our circumstance, not in our status, not in mm-hmm. how we are treated by others. Um, then, I, then I think that is what God is going to honor and God's going to bless. And, and it's yeah. not, it's not to say that that's we're hoping that God like we're doing that so God blesses us. We're doing it because that's what God wants from us. Yeah, we're doing it because that's what Scripture teaches us to do. Yeah. Um, and, and so living in that mindset mm-hmm. um, will make the circumstances around you seem much more mundane. Yeah. Um, even if they're not great. Like, remember, even it, even at your worst, you have it pretty good compared to some of the heroes of the faith. Yeah. Yep. That is a great place to wrap that up. I will put a bow on that and seal it and and call that discussion done and and i hope that's encouraging it's it's not a it's not a fun word to talk about but but i you know i want to i want you guys to see and i know um we need to see that you know this is where this is what scripture teaches us so let that be let that be an encouragement to you and michael if they want to find us on social media websites where would they find us? You can find us on Instagram at beers and Bible underscore. You can find us on Twitter at beers and Bible P1. You can find us on Facebook by searching beers and Bible podcast, looking for our logo there. And uh, you can also email us at beers and Bible podcast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Any uh, 
questions you have about anything we've discussed, uh, beer suggestions, um, anything that you would, any questions you have about anything we've talked about in the 83 episodes that we've done so far. (laughs) Um, We'd love to hear from you and have those conversations. So until next week, we want to keep your beers cold and your Bibles open and the discussion flowing. And so we will see you later. Peace out.